Welcome back. We're going to recap Wild Card Weekend or Super Wild Card Weekend, as they call it now. It was pretty fun for the most part. There were a couple blowouts in there, but I would say for the most part, some close games and games that kept you on the edge of your seat. Um, I guess the blowout, of course, was the Niners. They scored 41 points, and that game was pretty much over. I mean, it was good at halftime. It was like a one-point game or tied at halftime, but of course, the Niners, they took care of Seattle pretty easily. There was the 27-point comeback in the Chargers-Jaguars game. The Miami Dolphins somehow made that a close game. That was not supposed to be close, but they only lost by three. The Giants as three-point underdogs, they get it done. They win 31-24. Daniel Jones looked phenomenal. And of course, in the Ravens and Bengals game, a very crucial mistake by Tyler Huntley to fumble the ball on the Bengals' one-yard line. It was returned 99 yards by the Bengals, and that changed the entire game. The the, uh, Ravens had a real shot to win that game, which sucks. And then, of course, tonight, it's the Cowboys at the Buccaneers. I'm still debating if I should wait for that game to be over and then react to it or just do it all now and then just kind of forget about that game. I don't know. We'll talk about that at the end. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave a like and let's get into it. So we'll go in order here. So Seattle at San Francisco. As I said, it was a game at one point. The Niners got out to a 10-0 lead. McCaffrey had the big run, then finished it off with a three-yard rushing touchdown. And you're saying to yourself, yeah, it's going to be a rough day for Seattle. But then they come back. Kenneth Walker has the touchdown. And at halftime, it was 17-16 Seattle after Jason Myers made a 56-yard field goal. And he probably could have made it from further, honestly. But then in the second half, it was literally all 49ers. That's not even an exaggeration. The uh, The Seahawks had a garbage time touchdown to DK Metcalf when it was like 41-17. to But... You know, a lot of turnovers in the second half. They had a big fumble, Geno Smith, in, um, in 49ers territory near the red zone. And it was still a seven-point game. It was a third and 14 on San Fran's 19-yard line. Geno took a sack. Nick Bosa recovered it, and that was pretty much all she wrote. And then from there on out, it seemed like the uh, Seahawks offense was complete garbage. Gino had one drive in the early fourth quarter where he threw a pick on the first throw. It was like just ridiculous. So the 49ers, they still look dangerous. How did Brock Purdy look? I mean, statistics-wise, he looked awesome. I think he missed some throws in this game, but overall, 332 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. I think for a seventh-round rookie quarterback, you're going to take that in the playoffs. So yeah, the Niners are in a good spot right now. They will play the winner of tonight's game the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Cowboys. I think the Niners obviously will handle either one of those teams. I think the team that would give them more problems obviously is the Cowboys, but I don't trust the Cowboys to win tonight either. I am picking the Cowboys. I do think they'll win, but I can't trust them because Tom Brady's never lost to the Cowboys. We know about Brady in the playoffs. Um, So it's tough to pick them with confidence, but I'm taking the Cowboys tonight. Chargers at Jaguars. What a weird game this was. I mean, just if you didn't watch this game, I recommend doing it because it's just one of the weirdest playoff games you'll ever see. Of course, in the NFL in recent years, we've seen some great comebacks. We just saw one this year, the biggest comeback of all time, when the um, the Vikings came back from, what, 33 nothing, I think it was. This was 27 nothing, but the fact that it happened in the playoffs, it's like... It's even more magnified, if that makes sense. So it was 27-0 Chargers right before the half. Then the Jaguars had a touchdown before halftime. My guy Evan Engram found the end zone. But Trevor Lawrence had a rough, and I mean rough, like first, I would say 16, 17 minutes of this game. 
he had four interceptions right away, and um, I don't think it was nerves. A lot of those were just like batted balls, and you know the not the Niners, the um, Chargers defensive linemen getting their hands up. Sebastian Joseph Day hit one, and then I think Joey Bosa hit it off his hand, and then I forget. I think it might have been Kenneth Walker or Kenneth Murray. Sorry, not Kenneth Walker. He's a freaking running back. But um, yeah, it was just kind of you know some unlucky ones in there for Trevor Lawrence, but. He could have easily just been too intimidated and laid down and kind of just gave up. But the Jaguars came out in the second half, and the Chargers only put up three points the entire second half. The Jaguars, they put up 13 in the third and 11 in the fourth. And every time the Jaguars got the ball in the second half, it was a drive that pretty much went for a touchdown or a field goal. They did not punt the ball once. And once Lawrence found Marvin Jones for like the five, six-yard touchdown, it made it like a two-score game, and you're thinking to yourself, like, this is not over. Like, there is a solid chance if the Chargers don't put up points here that Jacksonville can make this comeback. It's not like the Chargers have the greatest defense in the world, obviously. It was very possible. And then there was the 39-yard touchdown to Zay Jones right before the third quarter ended. That made it a 10-point game. So 10-point game, the entire fourth quarter to go you know we have a ball game right there. And this, of course, was one of the biggest plays of the game. Cameron Dicker missed a 40-yard field goal. So that would have put them up by 13. And obviously, based on how the final score went, that could have given them the win. But after that miss, Christian Kirk had a nice contested catch for a touchdown, made it a four-point game. And then Doug Peterson who, you know, he's one of those aggressive type coaches, and I know that Brandon Staley has that reputation too. But down four with five minutes, 25 seconds to go in the fourth, he decides to go for two. And like, it makes sense kind of, you know, because even if the Chargers go down and get a field goal, you're down by seven, still a one-score game. So I didn't hate it, but they went for two. It worked. They made it a 30-28 to 28 game, so a two-point game. Obviously, a field goal would have won the game there for the Chargers. The Chargers got the ball back, the chance to just run out the clock and try and win the game up by two, but that was unsuccessful. Herbert got sacked on the first play, made it a second and 17. That pretty much killed the entire drive. And then there was the big play, fourth and one on the Chargers 41-yard line. Obviously, they could have tried to kick like a, uh, what would that be, like a 60-something yard field goal, which uh, maybe like 58 or something. It would have been a long field goal, obviously, from the Chargers 41-yard line. They decide to go for it from this weird formation. They give it to Travis Etienne. He gets around the edge and he picks up 25 yards in a first down and puts them down in Chargers territory to the 16-yard line. And right then and there, unless Riley Patterson somehow missed an easy field goal, you knew right then and there that, holy crap, the Chargers blew this game. And they did. Patterson made the field goal. The Jaguars come back from 27-0. They win 31-30. They have a ticket to Arrowhead next week to play the Chiefs, which, you know, it's not who you want to play, but at least they made it. So that's awesome. I feel like Chargers-Chiefs would have been fun, too. I like both these teams. They're fun to watch, but just what a good comeback by the Jaguars. And I know people will blame Justin Herbert. It's hard to blame him for this game. The defense literally did nothing for them in the second half. But for Trevor Lawrence, I mean, what a bounce back. To start out with no touchdowns, four interceptions, to finish the game with 288 yards, four touchdowns, pretty much a flawless second half by T-Law. So that was great to see. Dolphins at Bills. It seemed like this game was going to be a long day, as I said, for the uh, for the Dolphins. And the, um, the Bills closed as 14-point favorites. It was supposed to be a two-touchdown game and it was weird because I know the score was very close but I never actually thought that the Bills were going to lose this game which may be foolish I don't know but it was a weird game very weird game because the Bills they started this game the way they were supposed to they they went up 14 nothing no problem 
Then for a second, it looked like it was 21-0, but then after review, they saw that the uh, touchdown to Dawson Knox hit the ground. They called it back. They had to settle for a field goal, but they made it a three-possession game. It was 17-0. You're in Buffalo. The opposing quarterback is Skylar Thompson. You're like, all right, I mean, we're in a great spot here. Three-possession game. But then Jason Sanders makes three field goals. Josh Allen starts turning the ball over. And then they find Mike Gusecki for a touchdown to tie the game up at half. So up 17-0 to tied 17-17 at half. A pretty bad collapse there by the Bills in the second quarter. And then in the third quarter, Miami's defense came through. Josh Allen fumbles. The Dolphins return it. And Miami took a four-point lead. Then, of course, Josh Allen got things going. He found Cole Beasley, found Gabe Davis for touchdowns, making it 34-24. But Miami, they still would not go away. The last touchdown in this game, the last points, was a Jeff Wilson one-yard touchdown. We saw a lot of Savon Ahmed, by the way. I guess Raheem Mostert was hurt. But I remember Ahmed had a pretty big screen pass on that drive as well. But uh, an absolute killer here for Miami. So they had the ball, of course. They were down by three points in the fourth quarter, right near midfield. And on fourth and one, they have a delay of game. And Miami, they must have had at least five times where they pretty much had a delay of game or should have been called for one. It was ridiculous how many times they could not get the playoff or had to waste timeouts because they couldn't get the damn play right. And I get it's a rookie, it's a hostile environment, rookie head coach, but... You know, at a certain point, you can't make those excuses. That's just crazy. So the fourth and one goes to fourth and six. And then there was an incomplete pass to Mike Gusecki, which actually wasn't that bad of a throw. It would have been a very tough catch, obviously. I think Kyer Elam had the coverage on that play. And uh, it fell incomplete. And then the Bills, they got the ball back. As I said, Miami had no timeouts left. They picked up a first down. And that was the ball game. So, yeah, I think if you're a Dolphins fan, like, you come away from this season feeling pretty optimistic. Like, I think you have a pretty good coach, obviously. You saw Tua take steps in the right direction, but he has to be healthy. Like, they keep saying that Tua's our guy. He's our quarterback. Um, Some people may speculate, oh, the Dolphins might make a quarterback upgrade, but, like, realistically, who are they going to get? You know, Tua, if he played in this game, I think the Dolphins had a real chance to win today, especially if, like, things went the same way and Josh Allen had three turnovers and especially the Dolphins' defense getting a touchdown. It's just a shame that Tua was not able to play. And when the Dolphins played the Bills this year in the regular season, they went 1-1. One and one. They almost went 2-0. and oh. So I'm not saying it would have been like 100% guaranteed that the um, the Dolphins win if Tua plays, but who would you rather have? Tua, the first-round pick, or Skylar Thompson, the guy that nobody knew before the year started? If you're Buffalo, I mean, you got to kind of regroup here. You had a, a, a tough scare at the end there, and that game was way too close for anyone's comfort on Buffalo's side, but... Now you're going to have a matchup versus Cincinnati. You are going to be the home team. And Cincinnati, they didn't play the best game themselves against a team they should have beat by a lot more. But still, I I think both these teams, they came off pretty, you know, not convincing wins. My pick to win the Super Bowl was Buffalo. So I'm going to pick them next week. But of course, I could see a a case for uh, the Bengals winning that game. The Giants, they get their first playoff win since the Super Bowl in 2011, 2012, technically. A 31-24 win over the Vikings. Look, Minnesota's defense, I mean, they were going to be their downfall eventually. We knew that. Um, I think that the offense for Minnesota, we know they put up points, but... Their defense wasn't good enough, and the Giants' defense, they stepped up when it mattered most. And the Giants' offense, who they don't score 30 points very often, they did it in this game, put up 31. As I mentioned off the top, Daniel Jones had a phenomenal game. I think he was the first quarterback in NFL playoff history to have 300-plus passing yards, 70 or more rushing yards, and two or more touchdowns in a single game. So Daniel Jones, 
a hell of a performance. Saquon Barkley, a pretty efficient day. Nine carries, 53 yards. Also had 56 receiving yards as well. Isaiah Hodgins, a guy that came out of nowhere for the Giants receiving core, he had 105 yards with a bruised foot. And he actually put a, a picture of his foot on like his Instagram story, which, you know, if you're in the feet, go look at it. But it's, it's, it's pretty gross. His foot, his entire foot was bruised. I don't know how the hell these guys play through these injuries, but uh, great to see him out there performing for this team. I mean, Kirk Cousins was fine. I know Kirk Cousins will get labeled as a playoff choker and things like that, but Cousins statistically was pretty awesome. 31 of 39. 273, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Like, he did enough. TJ Hawkinson, monster game, 10 catches, 129 yards. And then, of course, you had Justin Jefferson, who didn't have the biggest game. The Giants kept uh, a lot of his catches underneath. Seven catches, 47 yards. Just a game that went back and forth. I mean, the, um, the Vikings came out, scored a touchdown right away. You're thinking, oh, crap, this is not good. But the Giants, they come right down. Saquon Barkley has like a 30-yard touchdown. They tie the game. The Giants go up 17-7. And there were some big plays in this game. Of course, there was a play where the Vikings, they were going for a fourth and one. But they had a false start. They called it back. And they had to settle for a field goal and tie the game at 24. And if they converted that and made it a 28-24 game instead of a tie game at 24, maybe that changes the whole game. But definitely an error there by the... Uh, by the Vikings, even the Giants, they had a touchdown taken off the board because they had an illegal formation or, or illegal motion, whatever it was. So, you know, both teams kind of shot themselves in the foot and cost them points. But Saquon scored a touchdown two yards out to make it 31-24. The Vikings had two more drives to go ahead and try and win this game. Now, on the Vikings' last offensive drive, there was kind of this, you know, borderline roughing the passer call, which I was not a big fan of. Not even trying to be biased. I think it was just not that not that good of a call. And later, there was a third down play where Cousins was looking for uh, K.J. Osborne over the middle. Giants rookie slot corner, Cordell Flop, made a great play, knocked it away. And then on fourth down and eight, for some odd reason, Cousins checks it down to Hawkinson for three yards, and that was the game. So the Giants, of course, you know, the uh, Vikings had no more timeouts at that point. They kneeled the ball, and that was it. So Brian Dable, 1-0 as a uh, coach in the playoffs in his career, or head coach, I should say. Daniel Jones want to know. Saquon Barkley want to know. Uh, things are looking great for the Giants right now, and I do think they have a chance to beat Philly next week. The Giants will be at Philadelphia next Saturday night, or this Saturday night, and I'm very excited for it. I think the Giants have a chance. I know right now that Philly, their favorites by like seven or seven and a half. I get it. You do have to give them respect, but I think the Giants right now are just... They're getting hot at the right time, and I'm not expecting a Super Bowl, but hey, I think it's possible that this team can go into Philly and make some noise, and I think they'll keep the game close at least. Ravens at the Bengals here. This was the late game on Sunday yesterday, and um, it was another weird game because I believe the Bengals, they were eight-point favorites. They were supposed to win by a decent amount. And the final score does show a seven-point win for the Bengals, so you can't take that away from them, but the game did feel a lot closer, and... The craziest part was it was tied at 17. The Baltimore Ravens had the ball on the one-yard line of Cincinnati. They just needed one yard to make it a 24-17 lead in the fourth quarter. And Tyler Huntley, he gets the ball, tries to go over the pile, tries to extend the ball. And we see this all the time, but a lot of times when quarterbacks do this, they already cross the uh, goal line and the play's over. But Tyler Huntley did not cross the goal line. 
one of the defenders for the Bengals knocked it out, and the ball just perfectly fell into Sam Hubbard's hands, and he ran it back literally 99 yards for a touchdown. There may have been a block in the back on that return on Mark Andrews. They didn't call it, but it made it 24-17 Bengals, and that was actually the final score. And then on the final pass of the game, there was a chance. I forget who the receiver was. It might have been Prochet. I think his name was James Prochet or something like that. There was a Hail Mary play, and it was batted in the air for a bit, and Prochet had a chance at it. I think it may have hit off his hands, and that would have tied the game, or possibly they could have went for two and tried to win the game right there. Which I think if he did catch it, they probably would have went for two because you are the underdog team. You might as well try and win the game right there. But a pretty wild game. It was not supposed to be that close. Um, it started off with a 9 nothing lead for the Bengals. And you're thinking, all right, we're done here. This one's over. Kind of like the Bills game where you're thinking, all right, it's 17-0. We're good here. Enough's enough. But um, the Ravens made a game out of it. I mean, Tyler Huntley was not god-awful. I mean, he had the, the terrible turnover, of course. But... Did have an interception, but 226 yards, two touchdowns, not not the worst game. Had 54 rushing yards as well. Just a pretty slow game for the uh, Bengals offense overall, so that was a little concerning. But the Ravens defense, ever since acquiring Roquan Smith, they were like one of the best defenses in football, so... I know they're not looked at like that because for the entire season, they weren't that great. But post that trade, they were very good. But unfortunately, no Lamar Jackson. I don't even think he made the trip, they said, which is kind of weird. So we'll see how the whole Lamar Jackson thing unfolds throughout the offseason. Lamar posted a cryptic quote today on, I think, maybe his Instagram story or whatever the hell it was. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there. It's very weird. When he first got hurt like a couple months ago, the injury was supposed to be like three or four weeks. And we thought that for sure he'd be back by the playoffs, but you know, the Lamar injury was either worse than it was, or maybe he just didn't want to play for the team anymore. I choose to believe he was hurt, but you never know. But I thought for sure he would have been back for the playoffs. So it was very surprising to see that outcome. So anyway, the Bengals do advance. They will be at the Bills next week. And for Baltimore, it's kind of weird. I mean, you have like some weird vibes going on right now with your quarterback. And J.K. Dobbins had some interesting quotes after the game. He was definitely not a fan of that play call where um, Huntley fumbled the ball. It was a third and one on the one yard line. And I do think Dobbins wanted the ball. And he basically said like, we should have just ran the ball at the middle there. And they didn't do that. So unfortunately for J.K. Dobbins, that was not the case. But obviously in the playoffs, just like, you know, playoff baseball every pitch is under a microscope same thing with playoff football every play is under a microscope and when you fumble on your own on, on your opponent's one yard line well especially your own but the opponent's one yard line and you lose the game by seven that's pretty much it right there so unfortunate it seemed like the ravens had a good shot at that but that's just not how it went their defense stepped up enough but the offense uh made a very critical mistake. All right, so I'm going to try and hop on after this Cowboys-Buccaneers game is over. If not, I hope you guys enjoyed the video, but hopefully we have time to do that, so I will maybe talk to you guys in a little bit. All right, Cowboys-Bucks as the Cowboys are taking their final knee right now. Um, pretty much a snooze fest for the most part. It wasn't the most fun game. Dallas got out to like a 31-7 lead once um, CeeDee Lamb caught that touchdown to make it 31-7. It was like, yeah, we know we know it's over here. So, um, unfortunately for Tampa, they just got nothing going offensively. It just seemed like Dallas's defense was in control for literally the entire game. So, um, Julio Jones caught a touchdown. That was cool. Nice catch to uh, get his knee down in the end zone. Unfortunately, Russell Gage got hurt in garbage time. He had to leave on a stretcher hopefully he's okay of course but um yeah it just sucks when that happens like your season's over you're playing for nothing at that point it's just like the worst time um but they later scored made it 31 14 they actually recovered the onside kick right after and it felt like some tom brady magic
magic was still left over. And Brady had a throw to Mike Evans. It was 31-14, like I would say maybe like a minute 50 left. And Mike Evans had a touchdown in his fingertips. You would say maybe like dive for that ball, but like it was a bit overthrown, a tiny bit overthrown. You could argue he should have caught it okay. But that would have made it a 10-point game with like a minute 50 left. Tampa had all three timeouts left, so you never know. But yeah, Mike Evans, he dropped that one and... That was the game. So I think Micah Parsons finished it off with a sack, and uh, that was pretty much the game right there. Dak Prescott looked really good. I look at his stats right now. He was 25 of 33, 305 yards, four touchdowns, only sacked one time. So Dak also added 24 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Yeah, Dak was awesome today. The running game, I mean, Pollard averaged five a carry. Zeke only 2.1 a carry. He just looks pretty damn washed at this point. Same thing for Fournette. couple tutties for Dalton Schultz. CeeDee Lamb had one. Michael Gallagher had one. So yeah, the Cowboys, they will now go on to play the San Francisco 49ers. And it's kind of funny because I feel like the, uh, it kind of feels like the Cowboys are like the minor league version of the 49ers, if that makes sense. Like you have, you know, like a decent system, I guess. I mean, obviously Shanahan's system is a lot better than what McCarthy has going on, but you, you get the point. They have a pretty solid running game, both teams. They mostly rely on their defenses. They have pretty good playmakers. So you can make some connections there. Of course, I'm taking like Dak over Purdy, like in a vacuum, but obviously with the system included, yeah, you can argue Brock Purdy might be a bit better when they play against each other next week. So anyway, the matchups for next round, we have the Jaguars at the Chiefs. We have the Bengals at the Bills, Giants at the Eagles, and now we will have the Cowboys at the 49ers. So I'll do some predictions real quick because why the hell not? It's the end of the video anyway. But yeah, I'll take the Chiefs, of course, over the uh, Jaguars. That'd be a great upset if the Jaguars pull that off. As I mentioned, I will take the Bills. I think they're going all the way. I kind of left uh, the first game discouraged against Miami, but hopefully they get their you-know-what together. Um, I think the Giants hang around in this game, honestly, but I'm going to say Philly wins. I think Philly's favored by like seven points anyway, so it's going to be tough for the Giants to go there and win that game. Philly's coming off the extra rest, but I hope I'm wrong, of course. It'd be great if the Giants pull that off. Um, Dallas against San Fran. I mean, I feel like it could be close, but uh, kind of like the Giants. I'm going to take uh, San Fran. Give me the home teams there, so... It's it's a bit chalky. I get it. I have no underdogs winning, I don't think. I mean, I don't know who's going to be favored in the Bills and, and Bengals game. I would think the Bills are, but probably not by a lot. Maybe like two and a half, three, three and a half or something. But yeah, I will take the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, and the Niners to get into the championship round. So... That's going to do it. Hope you guys enjoyed the video. Um, we'll have a Giants-Eagles preview on a Friday. I might make some updated predictions if stuff changes for the rest of these games. But anyway, hope you guys enjoyed. I'll talk to you next week, and enjoy your week.